and welcome to One Life Living Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Callahan, and I am incredibly blessed today to have my friend, Rebecca Stevens, with me. Thank you for joining. Hi, Steve. I'm so happy to be here. I'm assuming that you can hear me, Rebecca? Yes, I can hear you really, really well. So, um, you know, I'm really happy to be here today. I'm really happy to join you on your podcast. I listen to, to all of them. So just really excited to, to be able to, to be on this show. This is not just a show today. This is the 50th episode. I never thought I'd get here. And I'm happy that you're the person that joins and, and celebrates this little mini anniversary, uh, our 50th episode of One Life Live It. So I'm glad it's you. That is extraordinary. You know, I, I also do content and being able to continue for 50 episodes. I mean, it really talks to, to the person that you are. So congratulations. And I'm really happy to celebrate this anniversary with you. Well, I'm happy to have you here. We've had an opportunity to first initially meet through a, uh, uh, a business process. And then from there um, have grown uh, an incredible friendship. And I'm blessed to have you in my life because I think that you are just an incredibly inspirational person, um, a woman of incredible action, uh, and I believe a global nudger. Now, I say that because the podcast for me is a vehicle to grow a braver model of our values, um, to be an opportunity for us to impact the world. Uh, and I'm not thinking small here. I really want our community to be global. And I believe our world is a little small in the sense that we can have these incredible connections. So I want this podcast to be a platform uh, to be shared by who I like to refer to as life nudgers, people who continually nudge us along our path. And I cannot think of a better way to celebrate this episode uh, than to expose the friendship that we have and to show um, everyone the opportunity through care, compassion, and connection, uh, how they can nudge along their lives. Um, and I really want to focus in on those people who pave the way and those who choose to fully lead with love and respect. And that's you. Thanks so much, Steve. I, I'm, I mean, I feel so special and really, really honored um, that you consider me in such high regard, I consider you a life nudger. You know, I, I consider that, you know, as you said, we met through a business relationship, but the fact that, you know, we are now, you know, extraordinary friends really also shows the person that, that you are, the caring person that you are. And so for me, you are my, my life nudger, very much so. So much. So we are episode 50. And, you know, I think that a lot of people can resonate with uh, stories. And we have so many, so many chapters uh, and that, that make up those stories. So I'm hoping 
and and asking and requesting that this is not our only uh, opportunity to connect and share on this podcast. I'm hoping this is going to be an ongoing relationship, and I have no doubt that people are going to want to uh, see more of our conversations. You know, I this was a birth through a thing that I used to call call coffee chat in the sense we were sharing a coffee, you were connecting with each other, and I felt that if if just the world could hear some of the conversations that I was blessed to have, and of course we've had those, and uh, in saying that. Um, I would love to know a little bit about your story and how you got to a certain place in your life and how that branches out. I don't know, but I know that you've shared, you know, this is what I believe to be a phenomenally precious time in our lives because I think we've been given a gift to thoughtfully consider how we're going to show up in the future. Now Uh, it's not the past, but how are we going to show up in the future? How are we going to live our best lives? And I think that's, helpful through stories and because we can resonate with them so i don't know if you feel uh, or uh, we would be obligated and honored to hear a little bit about your story yes yes of course steve and you know i'm very happy to share my story and you know as we were sort of discussing a little earlier what i really want to focus on is how people's decisions can really influence your life and in particular i want to focus on a decision that my mom made you know, when I was uh, nine years old and my mom trained as an electrical engineer and we used to live in Sierra Leone in West Africa. It's actually one of the poorest countries in the world, but my mother was keen, at least my grandmother said to her kids, you need to have an education if you want to get out of poverty. So my mother studied to become an electrical engineer. And in 1980, she got an offer to work with the International Labor Office in Geneva which is one of the sort of very closely related to the United Nations. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget because we were in our home in in Africa and it was a Sunday afternoon. And on Sunday afternoons, my mother always made spaghetti bolognese and we would all sit at the dinner table and it would always be a moment when she would say, okay, family, we have a few things that we need to vote on today. And I'll never forget that Sunday because she sort of looked at us and said, five kids and my grandmother. And she said to us, well, I just got an offer to go work in Switzerland. And it's a, it's a two-year contract. And she said to us, we're not gonna take a vote because I don't wanna move to Switzerland if you are against it. So I was about nine and my older brother was 12. My sisters were seven and my youngest brother was about four probably. And, you know, all I thought of was Switzerland, strawberries, apples, and that's all I wanted to do. That's the reason I wanted to move to Switzerland. And I thought of snow and I thought these are all these cool things. And if we move there for 10 years, for two years, I can do all these fun things. I can build snowmen and and do all these great things. So, of course, I voted, yes, let's move to Switzerland. And I kept nudging the word nudging. My younger brother, who was four, had no idea what we were talking about. But I kept on saying, you need to vote you need to come to Switzerland. So in the end, you know, we all sort of voted. It was a unanimous vote. And my mom said, okay, we're moving to Switzerland. Mm. So that simple decision at the dinner table changed my entire life. I love that you even had that family dinner. I mean, just just even that moment uh, is so incredibly special. Continue, please. Yeah, of course. So, So we moved. And my life completely changed. I I came to a completely different country. 
were very different people from the people that I was used to living with in Africa. Mm. I went to an international school. And while I was at international school, my one dream in the world was to work for the UN, the United Nations. I wanted to be able to be a part of making change in the world. And from there, you know, I studied in, I came to Toronto, studied at York, came back to Switzerland after that, and now work in, in, in a field where I basically build access to medicines programs in Africa. And so I help poor people have access to good health. Yeah. So it's interesting because when I'm at work, people say to me, you have so much passion and energy and where did you get it from? And, and what sometimes they don't understand is if my mom hadn't made that decision to take that job at the ILO and move to Switzerland when I was nine, I probably would have lived my whole entire life in Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, and I might've been one of those poor people that I help today. So for me, that decision that she made changed my life, but actually enabled me to help poor people in Africa today. That whole circle, you know, that's, that's, but that's, an abundance of gratitude that your family had. And not only that, such a high level of appreciation for those things and those opportunities. Um, it's incredible to see the circle come back that you are helping. And boy, I'm sure that you didn't know, and maybe you didn't, um, that the world was gonna change a few years ago and the demand on your time and passion would become that much more bigger. Yes, you know, exactly, exactly so. And um, of course, during COVID, it was a little difficult because when, when the vaccines were available, you know, I was able to get it into facility in Switzerland and get my vaccine very early on. And I had relatives call me from home in Sierra Leone and they didn't have access to a vaccine. But the interesting thing about this is there was a longer, younger population in Africa. So COVID hit, it was less severe in Africa than in other parts of the world. Okay. So interestingly enough, you know, I was sitting at home, locked up at home, but my relatives back in Sierra Leone were going out and going about their lives because they just had less COVID. But in a way, you know, my work to help to drive access to health in Africa and in Southeast Asia and in all poor countries around the world just sort of reconciles, is my life's purpose in a way. Yes. And I can't imagine doing something different. It's beautiful. Um, as you know, I'm on the tropical island of Newfoundland. Yeah, I You're do. In the beautiful country of Switzerland. Uh, and you do travel to, um, to Paris. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. We are a little jealous, but you do travel to Paris. Uh, but you have visited uh, and stayed and lived in Canada. And, um, and you may be drawn and pulled to the tropical island as well. It's, um, amazing to see how the world shrinks for you. It really does. And um, uh, tell us about how you're drawn to Canada a little bit, um, how you know, some of the stays there and how you continue to be drawn here. Yeah, of course. I, Canada is, is one of my favorite countries in, in the whole wide world. And I have visited about 60 countries, but Canada sort of holds a very special place in my heart. What I love about Canada is I'm bilingual French English. And so Canada is the perfect place for me because <laughs> when, I, when I go to Canada, I, I can actually in many places just speak both languages. Yes. Apart from that, 
it was a place where I grew up, where I became the adult that I am. And what I loved about Canada was in university, I could have conversations with people from all, all around the world. And there were productive conversations and productive debates that I really enjoyed. I studied sociology. I talked, I did a lot of work around um, gender equality. And I just enjoyed how people in Canada are just so open to the rest of the world. There are many different cultures, but it's not a melting pot like in the US. It's each culture actually is free to express themselves and not become just one big melting pot. So that's what I love about Canada. Interestingly enough, when I did move to Toronto, I was actually looking to study, and at the time, I think it was called the University of Newfoundland. Um, and I'm sorry, not pronouncing Newfoundland properly. I'm still trying. Newfoundland. <laughs> but I wanted to study there. And in the end, you know, it was just um, access was, was rather difficult for me to get there. So I went to Toronto because Toronto was just easier to get to from Switzerland. So interestingly enough, um, about three years ago, my son, Nathan, was graduating from, uh, was in his last year of high school and told me he wanted to study in Canada. And he sort of asked me, but mom, where do you think I should study? And I talked to, I told him about Memorial University and that they had a really great program in social business. So Nathan absolutely decided he didn't want to go anywhere else but to Memorial in Newfoundland. So in a way, I always wanted to see the island of Newfoundland, the tropical island. And I end up coming there two or three times a year now. And I really, really enjoy it because I do think um, the people that inhabit that island are some of the nicest people that I have ever met in all of my travels. Well, we're blessed when you do come. And uh, we will, at some point in time, you'll become an honorary one. Um, oh, that would be wonderful. <laughs> that is an incredible circle. It really is. Um, so for me, uh, One Life Live It podcast, uh, the 50th episode again. Um, it means for me just the living the one life, really awakening to that thought uh, is knowing that I'm on one runway and that I've got so much left of that runway. And for me, it's a lot, um, but I don't know where it's going to end. Uh, it's kind of waking up one day uh, and realizing that I gave it my all. Uh, the parenting of my children, the creation of my dreams, the, the building of my craft, you know, philanthropy for me in my life, um, just all in, just living life all in, in theory and strategy and execution and emotion. Um, that's what I want this to continue to be in an awareness, uh, nudging and awakeness. Um, what does one life and living that one life kind of mean for you? And I know that not, th there's going to be so much to that, I'm sure. And it's something that I want to add, uh, in future connections, but what does it mean to you in listening to this and being a part of this now? Well, what it means to me personally is for me, each single day is, a, every single day is a gift. Mm. Every single day and every single minute and second is a gift. A few years ago, unfortunately, my elder brother, oldest brother passed away. And um, while he was in hospital, he told me about all the dreams that he had wanted to achieve in his life. Mm. And at that time, when he was in hospital, we all thought that he was going to make it. And 
and he didn't make it, unfortunately. But it just made me realize that every single second and every single minute, you know, we, at least personally for me, is to make life better, to leave the world better than the way I found it. And so whether that's through helping people in Africa or helping people in my community, it's important for me. But the pure essence, one life, live it, is really making sure that you make every second count. And as you said, giving my all in everything that I'm doing, you know, whether it's in parent, parenting, whether it's in my job, whether it's in my hobbies, it's just really giving the very best of myself. And I don't settle for less than that. Do you honor him in honoring your own life? Absolutely. And I, and I will, I will very honestly say that I did promise him that if I could even live, you know, an even more intense life, you know, just to honor, you know, um, his life and to even enjoy the rest of the life that I have left for him too, um, I would actually do that. You know, um, this is something that I believe is really deep and I love that you are as vulnerable and transparent as you are because I believe that's me myself. Um, I don't think we really make life changes until we get in touch with our mortality. The fact that we do have an ending and as deep as that may sound and as people may grasp that to be depressing, I don't believe it to be so. I think one of the great things we can ever do is write our own obituary. I believe that if we realize that there is a mortality to this life i think that's when we truly grab onto it i think that a lot of us live as if we're going to live forever and a lot of us do and gratefully so um but one of the things that i did and it wasn't from my attack on my heart it wasn't from that uh, before that i got in touch with the fact of my mortality and that's why i think the attack didn't hurt as bad as what some people may have thought it was and in knowing that and, and actually writing my own obituary, uh, I get that. So we either get it from somewhere within or we get it from somewhere around us. But I think getting in touch with that is incredibly important to really value our lives. I, I totally agree with you. And um, the interesting thing is my, my elder brother, Forrest, was always older. And um, so for me, I almost thought he was immortal. Yeah. And, and, and just seeing him no longer here in my life, you know, really made me come to terms with the fact that life is short and life does end mm -hmm. and that you do need to make the most of the gift that you have. And I agree with you. Some people take it for granted and some people for, for, for a multitude of reasons just don't enjoy complain about things, small things that actually are tiny and you shouldn't be complaining about them. And I also find this a lot in when I travel to Africa and I meet with mothers who through my programs, you know, their children have been able to survive malaria, pneumonia, and they come up to me and, and they almost worship me. And I tell them, don't worship me. I mean, don't do that. But they say to me, but because of you, my child is alive. And, and you need to understand that that is the biggest gift that you can ever give somebody. Yeah. But for me, it's, it's normal. That's just part of my mission and my purpose in life is to help others. So yes, I, I really very, very strongly believe in one life, live it, and to really make the most of each moment. And I'm gonna share a little story how you've nudged me recently. 
um, and how, again, you continue to bring this circle back and back around. Um, and as I was listening to you talk about your brother, uh, something just jolted to me when mortality clicked in for me. And, you know, my, my father, my dad, and his nickname is Dads, and, um, you know, he was my superhero. He was, he was a police officer. I mean, I got to put the hat on. I got to ride in the car uh, in growing up. And he was my hero. And I remember one time, because he had open heart surgery, and he didn't have a heart attack. He tells me that too, by the way. Um, and uh, he reminds me that he was first before I was. Um, but he, seeing him uh, in those moments of, you know, prior to going into a surgery, and of course, there's always that moment where there's always that, um, chance he may not come out um, I saw that vulnerability in my superhero and I think that's when I started to realize and appreciate that much more uh, the mortality that exists in others as well um, my story um, so I became a professional speaker a long time ago uh, and if any of my high school teachers are listening you would know that I was not a professional speaker I was not a public speaker and uh, how I got nudged along for that. So early in my real estate career, I would send out a newsletter to all of my clients called Not a Newsletter. So there was no news in it. It was just feel-good stories and quotes. And I even had recipes in it. And I don't even cook. <laughs> I had a book in a month club, which is good because I do read books. Um, but I sent out a newsletter called Not a Newsletter. And it was great. It was interaction. It was new. It was printed media in the mail, folded envelopes licked and sent out and it was great because I would get some comments um, you know this this story really resonated with me now I didn't write the stories I'm sharing the stories uh, and I began to write a book and I stopped writing the book and um, I had so many chapters done and the book was called Pave the High Road and the reason I share that was because I stopped writing because I started speaking so I was having these stories and what had happened, which was a life nudge, and I'm letting people know that so hopefully they can resonate with the story. Uh, there was a pastor friend of mine, um, Jeff Callahan. Um, no relation. Um, and just, he was an, and still is an incredible friend, an incredible pastor, an incredible leader in this world. And he could not make a speaking engagement. And he said, why don't you go? Mm -hmm. uh, never had a company, never had nothing. And um, I ended up being uh, the guest speaker at the ALS Society of downtown Toronto. And I began speaking over a period of 10 to 15 years. And, and those experiences have been absolutely amazing. I've, I've traveled across Canada, uh, not the world like you, but across Canada. Um, and I, I began a speaking career to which I stopped writing mm. until recently because you, nudged me to begin writing again or to share what I had already written and it's been so incredible because I've been able to I would assume the term is published to to writings to articles and it has been fantastic so a passion of something that I had almost 20 years ago has now been re-energized um, because of you thanks so much Thanks. I'm so happy that I, you know, I've played that role and I love your writing and I love what you say in your writing and the messages that come across in your writing. So I'm really happy that you've began to write again, because I think 
there's a lot, there are a lot of gems that you share in your writing that I think you're, a lot of audiences can learn a lot from. So I'm really happy that you're doing it again. Did you hear that, Mr. Withers? Grade 10, did you hear that? <laughs> Yeah, maybe I can finish that book report. Um, so I, what motivates you? What motivates me? Um, I think what motivates me and I, you know, very, when I started school in Canada, university in Canada, the very first book that I was asked to read was called Plato, the Republic. And I was impressed by that book. And in the book was this whole notion around virtue. And, and just goodness. And it, it's something that has always attracted me in my life and something that I've always been passionate about. And it might sound odd, but it's being the, just being a, a good and virtuous person. And, and that is what really drives me. I mean, how can you be so good, you know, in the world that you basically manage to move badness or evil off its axis. And so it might sound a little bit strange, but it's how do you be, how are you a good person? Like a truly, truly virtuous and good person and not someone that expects anything in return, but just being a good force in the world. And so that's that's sort of what drives me. It's this very deep and authentic need to, to be a good person. Wow. You write a question down and ask it sometimes and you don't realize you're going to get goosebumps from the answer, but thank <laughs> you for sharing that. So I, like any good host and any good interviewer, have some questions. Please go ahead. <laughs> I want the world uh, to get to know you a little better. And uh, first of all, do you know the questions I'm about to ask? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I have no well, idea. I don't know the answers if I even ask you the questions. I've got some <laughs> 10. Uh, and whatever comes first to, to your mind, we'd love to uh, hear about it. Um, so, what's one idea you think we could implement today that would make life just a little more easier? I think one idea is, is really empathy you know, an understanding that each person, you know, has challenges or goes through hard times and, you know, and, and maybe happy times, but the idea that we can just have a little bit more empathy, um, because I feel today that there's, it, it's lacking in so many areas, you know, we just assume that everybody is okay. We just assume that, you know, it, it's, life is easy, but, we don't really take the time to ask somebody, when you ask the question, how are you? People generally don't even listen to the answer. No. So the one idea is to practice empathy at least once or twice in your day to really, when you ask somebody that question, to really listen to what they, what they have to respond, what they respond and to, you know, just take the time to be a human being in a way. And I think that we, we're losing our humanity, whether it's because we have all these devices or because we, we, we just all have these packed lives and we just don't take the time to think about empathy. God, in her infinite wisdom, gave us two ears and one mouth so we could listen twice as much as yeah. we speak. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I agree with uh, that. I never thought of that, but I like that. 
I like that so a lot. What's your superpower? Superpower, superpower. I think that my superpower, actually, I just talked about empathy, um, but it is a superpower as well. Um, I think very recently I learned that I was a highly sensitive person. I had no idea what that was. But when I start reading the literature, I'm like, yeah, I can I can relate to that very much. So I think it's that. I think it's being able to be anywhere in the world, whether it's in Mexico City or whether it's in downtown London, and to talk to somebody and to really connect with that person. And sometimes maybe even a little bit too much, but I, you know, I like how I, who I am and I like the fact that I am an empathetic person. I don't think I would exchange that for anything in the world, but I think it is a superpower because you can really detect how people are feeling. You can walk into a room and you can read a room in exactly 50 seconds. And I think that that is a great superpower to have. What is your kryptonite? Oh my gosh, my, my kryptonite. Gosh, I'm going to, I'm trying to think about that one. Um, my kryptonite is probably, um, hmm, let me think. I want. I, I. I have. I think I have several. But I think my kryptonite is sometimes. Um. I tend to be maybe tiny bit impulsive sometimes. <laughs> I tend. I tend to be a little bit impulsive sometimes. But I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I think. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm a work in progress, and I'm and I really am trying to, to improve because I can sometimes be impulsive in the sense that. Sometimes it's either all black or all white. And, and I think that I'd love to sort of be sometimes just in the middle. Um, so yeah, I, didn't, I wasn't expecting that question at all. <laughs> well, kryptonite sometimes, that little thing that brings the Superman down, the Superwoman down, that, you know, uh, it can be simple too. And uh, for me, great big piece of caramel cheesecake, that can be my kryptonite too. Uh, a Mars bar. Um, Oh, can, I, can I say food? Because that's the yeah. first thing, because I do like Haribo, little Haribo, little tiny. Okay, that's, yeah, that's my tonight. I'm really trying to wean myself off that right now. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite quote? A favorite? Um, yes, I do. And if it's, if you can dream it, you can do it. That's my favorite quote. Good. What yeah. is your favorite book? My favorite book. Oh man, there's so, so many of them. I, I particularly like The English Patient. I love that book because it's a love story and I'm a sucker for love stories and romantic stories. I like that very much. Um, um, what else do I like? Um, I read a lot. So I think I have several books that I really, really love. One might seem a little strange to you, but it is the Communist Manifesto by, by Marx and Angels. I like it because there are a lot of learnings in it. I think it gets a, a bad press, but I think there are a lot of interesting things to learn from that book. But I think I have, I have several that I, that I enjoy. Mm. Um, what's your favorite movie? Wow, my favorite movie. Um, so it's called Love and Other Drugs. I really love that movie very much. Mm. Um, perfect love play, story. What? Who would play you in a movie? So we had a movie about you and your life. Who would be that actress, actor, uh, who would play you in that movie? Hmm. Who would be the actress that would, that would play me in that movie? Oh, my. I'm trying to think a lot about that. Mm. Well, 
I don't think I could say Carrie Washington. I think, um, yeah, maybe Carrie Washington could play me in that movie. I'd like that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, okay, um, here we go. Very important. Okay. What would you do in the event of a zombie apocalypse? Oh, wow. I remember watching a movie like that in the 80s. Yeah. A zombie apocalypse. <laughs> what would I do? Oh, my gosh. I think I'd love to be one of those zombies. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know walking around, loving that. Yeah. Just join, yeah, join the masses right away. Just get it over with. And yeah, join the masses it. right away. Anyways, you're going to end up a zombie at the end of the Let's day. So might as well just be. Today you're going to get through just well to join in real easy. Uh, love it, love it. Um, if we're sitting here a year from now, which we will be, um, celebrating what a great 12 months it's been in your life. Mm -hmm. What does life look like? I think what life would look like is is probably um being a lot more independent you know sort of being because today I, I work for a company and that's great but um maybe it would be owning my own business and being independent and being able to do a lot more things and have a lot just more freedom to do all these things so that that's probably what it would look like for me I'm having the possibility because right now I think I spend a lot of time at work and I always think about all the other things that I could be doing, you know, all the other types, types of projects that I can embark in and the people that I can help. So probably, yes, that could be an interesting um, aspiration. Love it mm -hmm. so much. Um, just a few more. Yes. Just a few more. <laughs> uh, tell me something about you that no one knows. It's just me and you. Tell me something that no one knows. Someone that no, something that no one knows. Oh, wow. These questions are hard, Steve. I never told you. <laughs> These questions are hard. I'm just going to whisper to you that I was a Jersey Shore fan. So just, I'll give you an example. <laughs> you were? Okay. Something that hardly anyone knows is that I actually backpacked across Asia. Um, just after university. Um, I went to Asia because I was madly in love with somebody. And when I got there, I realized that, you know, it wasn't gonna work out. So um, instead of coming back home, I decided to take, I think I had about $500 in my pocket and I decided to set up across, you know, Vietnam and Malaysia and uh, traveled around Asia for a while until I had $1 left in my in my wallet and then I came back home <laughs> very few people know that that I left well, with my hundred bucks well, they, know now, so. <laughs> they do <laughs> uh two more what was the last costume you wore last costume I wore was um ABBA the Swedish the Swedish pop group yeah. yep. and I dressed up like you know an ABBA sort of like singer perfect <laughs> yeah uh what is your biggest accomplishment in life my biggest accomplishment is um, the work that I do in, in anti-racism. It's a, it's a big accomplishment for me because it was a situation that I wasn't happy with. And I decided to do something about it two years ago. And I did. And, and now I have a big following of about 14.5 thousand people that read me almost every day. And for me, that's been one of my biggest accomplishments because 
it just demonstrated to me that if you're unhappy about something in your life, you need to act to change it. And I acted and I kept to it. And now I, I realize that I'm having a lot of impact in other people's lives. So I'm very, very proud of that accomplishment. I love that so much. I wanted uh, this opportunity for you to share some of your stories, not all of them. You have so many and I want, I don't want to waste them. So I want you, I'm hoping that you will become part of this in the future again, the very near future. Um, and that Thank you. And you to connect. I know that there are going to be people that are going to find a better path to their dreams and their life by listening to your story. And, um, and I hope that they take those as life nudges. Thanks so much, Steve, for the opportunity. I really, really enjoyed being on your show. It's, it's really excellent. And uh, I loved your questions at the end because it was just got me to really think of, you know, so many different things. So thank you so much. I feel so honored and um, well, we'll, I really, we'll really. Again. We'll come back to those again. So uh, I'm incredibly blessed to be in your presence and for you to continue to, uh, for us to continue to connect. And uh, I am so incredibly thankful for you to be here today. Uh, and as we continue to move forward and grow this global community, I am so incredibly blessed. So thank you. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you very much. We are live on YouTube, Apple, iTunes, Google, Podbean, Spotify, and Amazon, Alexa, and iHeartRadio. Thank you so much, Rebecca. We have one life. Live it. Exactly. <laughs>